Welcome to the Church Explain podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. I, I'm yeah. just thinking that you were building out the Sunday services and you had a real clear focus there. Um, what what sort of place did um, like ancient traditions and the relevance of the Bible play in those services for you? What, 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 were, your, uh, what were your services focused on? Um. So one of the things that we, we basically created a recipe. Okay. So, so we created a recipe of what's, what, what's a great service for Victory City Church? What, 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 what do we, what do we love? And we started with this idea of not what do we think they will love? What do we love? Like what, what, what do we, what service do we, if we were coming to a church, what would we want? Yeah. And so uh, we came with a few things and we began to just list out. Like, here's what a, here's what a powerful service that we would attend. Because my thing is if, if I am creating a service for somebody else, but I don't really like it and I'm creating it for them, I'll never own it and I'll get tired of it. And in two years, I'm going to go forget this thing. I'm going to create something new. But if I love it, then I can own it for a while until God begins to speak or, you know, all those types of things. So one of the things was we wanted an opening song that was exciting. We wanted like the first song was not slow and down and contemplative, you know, and, you know, sometimes you open a service and it's like, oh, and I'm like, no, let's, we're in church. Let's celebrate. Yeah. yeah. So, so that became the recipe. And every time we would come into a service planning, it was like, okay, does that song hit? Is that song exciting? Well, no, it's kind of a schmedium, but the words are good. I'm like, I listen, that's great. But the recipe calls for for an exciting song. Yeah. The the next thing we did was no weird language. So in our songs, we are not going to use lyrics and language that it does not connect with a 40-year-old guy. Um and we picked that idea out of going like you know, the 40-year-old guy that's Billy Bob out in the farm or, you know, blue-collar dude, if he walks into my church, and there's a great song we just went over as a staff, and there's a line in it that says, I want to be your laid-down lover. <laughs> it's a worship song. Wow. And, <laughs> that's crazy. And, and I was like, why did you just pitch me this song? And they're like, because the song is, song is so good. And I go, bro... Like, I don't want to sing to God, I want to be your laid down yeah. lover. Like, and he goes, he goes, no, but it means to lay your life down and be, I go, I know what it means. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. freaking weird. Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to ask the grown men in my church to come in yeah. and swoon to that. So, <laughs> so. So again, that was a recipe for us to be evaluate. Again, one of the recipes was I never preach after announcements. Because of the flow, yeah. I, I wanted to preach out of worship. People's hearts are ready. We come in, we bring the word. Um, and then when it, does, when it did come to announcements, it was like we announce one thing. Um, we talk to our guests, we talk about giving, and then, hey, if you're interested, we have this. Um, and we detailed the language, right? So like, hey, when, when we say this, we, we never say, hey, we need you, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's never like, hey, we, we, we're not the desperate girlfriend. Um, mm -hmm. It's always, I say, I, all of our hosting language is, hey, this is something for you. And here's yeah. how it'll benefit you. Here's how it'll grow yeah. you. 
when our with our giving um we uh, we never say take up our offering we always say receive hey yeah. we receive we use language like thank you for your investment into the church mm-hmm. um so they're just like key languages that we would use um we began to build out like a 3 month strategy around giving Again, so detailing our service. Okay, is this? And so every weekend, it's either a giving mention, right? So sometimes I just need 30 seconds. I'm not going to hit it for a long time. Uh, sometimes it's a giving teaching. Okay, that's a four minute. Or sometimes it's a giving testimony. And that's a three to four minute. Mm. Um, and so we began to kind of, when we looked at our services, okay, you know, sometimes let's just mention it. Hey, there's giving available. You can do it online. There's giving boxes at the end. Boom, boom, boom. Cool. We're out. And I was super nervous because I was like, well, if we're not going to, but, but again, we went to the idea of like, if I'm attending a church, I don't, I'm a giver. I don't need you to do a whole spiel of why I'm going to give anyways. And then there's people who don't. And so we've got those other supplemental weekends for them. But what it began to do was we were able to talk about giving without pressuring people into giving and our finances went up because they began attending a service that they really enjoyed. So, (coughs) excuse me. So we began to just kind of detail that recipe of what a service looks like that we wanted to attend. And, and, you know, sometimes we don't get it right. um, But that really helped our whole team kind of rally around, okay, this is what we wanted to do. We, we went as detailed as going, like, when it comes to lighting, we don't want a bunch of movement. Like, I don't want a bunch of movement in our lighting, you know, the splash and trash yeah. lighting. Uh, I don't want a bunch of flashing on and off because, again, I don't think people care about that as much. Yeah. So, so it was one of those, like, we, we literally went just through, we did an autopsy of every element in our service and how do we, how do we make this fit? How, do, how does, what does this look like? How do we detail it out? Um, and that's how we came up with our service recipe. Wow. So good. Good stuff there. Lots no, of, yeah. That's for people to think on there, isn't it, really? Yeah, and even just that idea of doing an autopsy yeah. on your service, I think is just a great idea because I think um, for many people, they'll just do the service they've always done. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, is, this, this is the structure we've always done. This is the way it flows. Three songs and a tag, and then let's do our offering and announcements, and then let's go into the message, and then let's have a little response, and then we're gone. <laughs> not, not, not telling you what we do here at Icon Church, by the way, there. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But uh, I think it's just great to do to do that as well. Just thinking of this um, season as a leader, Eric, what's the uh, what's the greatest win for you at the moment? Um, probably right now, people know their Bible. Um, we the theological challenges we are facing is so massive. Um, you know, people. It's kind of like it's kind of like moving into a home that's already furnished. Or moving into a home that's unfurnished. Uh, for too long, the church has talked to furnished homes. That there's already a furniture of a framework of biblical understanding that's been passed down generationally. We are now dealing with unfurnished homes um, that don't have don't have this, the 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 kind of working understanding. Um, and and so for us, the big thing has just been like. People don't know how to read their Bible. They don't know how to understand the different texts. Okay, is this a narrative text? Is this poetry? Is this apocalyptic? And so, uh, we have really kind of leaned in, and we are, and we haven't solved it yet. We are. That's the big focus for us: is going. Do people know good theology? 
because that's going to be the basis that's going to frame their worldview. And then that's going to actually help us build a, build a really solid, solid church. Um, so, you know, even from message prep, like it's not, it's not really life coaching. You know, one thing in America here, you get a lot of like spiritualized Tony Robbins where it's like, kind of like, Hey, help you live your best life. But people don't understand why. And like, why should I trust the Bible? What, what are some of the doctrinal truths? And so one thing that we started doing is we incorporate the apostles creed once a month in our service where we do a public confession. I talk about the importance of confession. I talk about, Hey, what you're seeing is a modern expression of an ancient faith and we are stewards of this faith. And so we confess the apostles creed and, um, and it's amazing to me how many Gen Zers love it. They're like, mm. this is awesome, right? Because mm. this feels like like weighty and serious. And um, and just by adding the Apostles' Creed in, you know, um, mm. uh, which, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, um, you know, what, what your congregants would, you know, I'm sure, um, you know, I don't know if the Church of England does that. I know you guys aren't. Are you guys Church of England? No, no, church, no, church no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do believe in it, which is brilliant. In fact, we do have it on our discipleship website. Yep. We've got a site yeah. called Jesus. Yeah. There's loads of practices on there. And we yeah. sure we put the Apostles' Creed on there. And it's yeah. a bit of an explanation of why it's important. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that's honestly probably one of the most powerful moments in any of our services is we'll come out of a worship song and then we'll go, hey, this is the Apostles' Creed. We're going to confess this together. If you're not a believer or you're, unco- please don't feel obligated, but we're going to say this together. And then to mm-hmm. get 400 people confessing that, it's just, it's moving. It's one of those yeah. things that's like, you know, and it really kind of helps people go, okay. And it gives them a theological framework again of um, just little drips, right? You know. Yeah. So I'd, I'd say that's the that's the, probably the biggest challenge that we're we're trying to figure out. And so one of the things that we're doing is with all of our leaders, we are we're we're calling it our killer peas, and basically we're we're detailing out. Um, I can't do this with every person, but the people who've said, "Hey, I want to be on the dream team. I want to serve." So that's about three hundred people in our church of going, okay. We are going to personally connect with you. We're going to personally develop you and personally disciple you. So we are basically building out a curriculum where we're going to do 15-minute talks, kind of videoed like this, mm. and it's going to feel like the old school Sunday school, right? It's going to go, let's talk about the doctrine of sanctification. And and it's and we're not fluffing it up. We're not – like it's just meat and potatoes and – and man, like our people love it because they're, they want to know, they, they want to understand it. And then when you place value on them and then we discuss it, Hey, okay. That personal connection. Okay. Hey, what did you think? What are some challenges? Do you have any questions? And we walk through with people like that. And so that, that's kind of one of the ways we're attacking that. Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So I, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about this idea of the 15% room. I know we've, we've talked about this um, again offline, and I was quite interested when you're dealing with um, teams or leaders or volunteers, just this idea of the last 15%. I wonder yeah. if you could share that for us. Well, one of my favorite quotes is by Marcus Aurelius that said, it's the organization of the non-obvious that leads to victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so where this idea, one of our values is we make our own juice. 
And so one, one Saturday I was making juice, orange juice for my kids and we were all doing it together. They wanted to do it and their little hands, they could squeeze half an orange and it would make some juice. But then you got the tool, you know, where the, you know, you, you do the yeah, whole yeah. thing, you, you, you squeeze it and that's where more juice came out. And I got this idea of going, it doesn't take a lot of effort to get to 80, 85%. Right. You kind of look and you go, okay, well, this is obvious. We got to do this and we got to do this and we got to do this. But the non-obvious or that last 10 to 15% is really what makes it special. Um, so again, a little small detail of was, um, okay, our lobby is set up and then I will sit with our team when they think everything is done, right? Okay. We did all this and I go, okay, it's not done. And I, as a leader have to do that and go, what else have we not thought about? And, you know, there's usually 10 to 15 minutes of like, oh, well, I don't know. We, we got the check-in tables. We got this and all that kind of stuff. But typically what happens is somebody around the room will go. And so for, I'll give you an example for our lobby. They were like, yeah, we're sitting. It's been 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, no, nah, we got to come up with something. Come on, let's think through it. Right. And it's, it's being willing to sit in that for a minute and go, no, we got to think through this. And then one of the people go, well, what about, what about the way it smells? And I was like, okay, let's get on that. Because, and it was something that nobody had even thought of, nobody had even noticed. And so we got, we went, this is so cheesy, this is so low budget, but it's amazing what it does. We went and got plugins. And we got plugins from Walmart, which is our, you know, I mean, I don't know, ASDA. Um, and so we went and got plugins and we plugged them in in our lobby. And I'm not kidding you. We probably had 50 people that week and go, man, it smells so nice in here. And that was an example of just the kind of the unconscious, you wouldn't even have thought about it, but going, okay, what, what's that extra juice? What's that extra thing that we can do? Every service planning, every service planning, I sit down, we go through the service and I go, all right, all right, what's the juice? Where, where, where are we going to, where are we, when we look at our service, what's the extra thing? Um, and again, that just, that just becomes a development thing, right? Then your staff starts doing it. Then your leaders and you, and you ask your leaders, Hey, your volunteer leaders. Okay, cool. You've thought through this. What's, what's the juice? Where's the extra 10%? And that's usually the hardest. Um, but it's the funny thing is it's the thing that you thought of last is going to be the thing that your guest thinks of first um, because they see it. And I, and we, we find that on a regular mm -hmm. basis. So, yeah, the last 15%. And I think, um, yeah, go on, go for it. No, I'm just thinking like, even when you're writing your message, when yeah. you're writing your message right. and you've written your message and, and you know how much a message is a labor of love, right? I mean, it's mm. sometimes it's grueling. And then mm. when you finally get to the conclusion, you've got the notes, you're done and you're like, oh, okay, good. All right, I'll move on. It's done. It's cooked. Yeah. But but just maybe maybe walking away from it for an hour or two or coming back the next day mm -hmm. and just going, all right, what, what's an illustration? What's a story? What's a point? What's a thought mm -hmm. that maybe what didn't come to me initially? And I just, let me just think through it. Let me, let me just sit for 30 minutes <clears throat> and just think yeah. through maybe a little extra. And I find that when I do that, that just makes my messages maybe more clear. It makes mm -hmm. me drive a point home in a, in a, in a more mm -hmm. relatable way. You know, it's just, it's just a, it's just a practice that just helps you rather than going, all right, I've gotten written, boom, it's done off yeah. to the next thing. 
just mm. sitting in it. Okay, wait, how can I link this a little bit more to mission or culture? Yeah. 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 No, it's so good. It's so good. And, um, you know, just great, great principle, even, even people in their personal lives as well. Just that last, last 15%, because many times we just get on, yeah, I've done the thing, but actually they, there might be something a little bit extra uh, yep. that push can that, happen. Yeah. Extra yeah, 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 yeah. Go, go yep. one more, go one more or whatever it might be. We talked about being um, laser focused and, um, <clears throat> Some of these things, obviously, uh, that we've talked about, uh, the practicalities or the cultural stuff uh, within that, like the last 15%, you know, uh, creating that recipe for your Sunday services. Was there, was there a cost to being laser focused, maybe for the church, but also for you as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there always is. Um, but I just would encourage somebody, and I just want to say this before I get into that, mm-hmm. that the the reward typically is greater than the cost, um, yeah. and what that allows w- when you're focused, there's always there's always going to be the extra that you're not able to get, get to. I mentioned I mentioned it early, and I'll just reference it again. We we there was a lot of families who had teenagers, but because we didn't have a youth group, basically said, "Hey, we're choosing." we're choosing to go somewhere else. And I said, listen, I love you. Totally get that. Not a problem. You've got to prioritize your teenagers. But what ended up happening because we were so focused on Sunday and our, with our kids ministry is that our younger kids exploded. It was like we ran out of kids space. And for us, it was kind of one of those things of, okay, this is a win. And now we've got all these kids in the pipeline and as they get older, we're going to bring a youth pastor online. And then all these kids that have been in our church for three, four, five years, we're going to seamlessly move them in. Yeah. So for, for us to being able to stay in that and go, okay, this is, this is what we want to do. And what ends up happening is when you do launch it and you go, okay, we are now to add, be able to add it, it fits in culturally. It, it, it fits in kind of to the groove rather than just feeling like this bolt-on piece that doesn't really yeah. feel organic to your ministry. Mm-hmm. But you're doing it just because uh, you want you want to do it. Um, for me personally, um, you know, I'm I'm from a charismatic background, so like we we talk about the gifts of the spirit, we talk about the the, uh, the fullness of the spirit. I knew I couldn't go there in the first few years of my church, so I was really laser focused on just building trust with my church before I took them into a space where a lot of people were going to go, okay, is, are we about to get weird? Um, and and, I, and I, I don't do it in a weird way. Um, I'm not, I'm not, but, but for me, I had, to, I had to not speak on something mm. that I was deeply passionate about and that was massively transformative in my life because I knew I'm focused right now on building trust with my church, building up mm. good biblical believers. And if I do that right, then when I go to this, there's there's going to be a level of trust there, and they're going to be willing to go with me. And we've seen that, and we we just came out of a series. Um, we called it Holy Roller, and we uh, we just took some fun with it, you know, the old like, yeah. oh, you're a Holy Roller, and and had some fun, and we went there, and it was it was amazing to see people who came from, you know, typical mainline denominations or had no framework of the power of the Holy Spirit in their life, and then we talked about that. It was like. So that focus allowed me to build really good trust um, mm. at the cost of going, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to hold off on this for a minute. Yeah. 
Very good. No, very good. Very good. Mm. I, I think of the transformation then. I mean, you've described a great transformation within the church over the last three years, going from whatever, 80 people to 950, a court team of uh, 300 people who are strongly with you, all that stuff. Brilliant. What, what emphasis did you place on communication, you know, to bring about that transformation? And, and maybe even some of the practical things you did to make communication stick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, tr- we tried to leverage as many techn- technology tools as possible. Uh, so yeah. we use Clearstream, which is a texting service, and we have a texting, uh, we have a texting calendar. Um, and so we text, we text our whole church every week, and then we text our core team every week. So the whole church is, hey, here's what's coming up, and the core team is, here's the play of the day for the weekend. Um, <clears throat> so we're regularly doing that. Um, I, I ask my, all of my departments that they've got to do quarterly trainings. Or appreciations. So it's on the calendar. You've got to get your teams together to train and equip them or appreciate them. You got to pick. Um, and so, like, literally, we're. I mean, it's hot in Texas. I hear it's hot over there right now. But yep. I think it's a. I think it's a different hot, guys. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but so I think like you know like our our worship team they're doing a pool party, and so mm. so you know and and even when you're doing appreciation. Like vision and culture leaks in those things, and then you get mm. the side conversations that it's like, oh yeah, mm. we're going to do this, and this is cool. But putting making that like a standard was something that was really important. We instituted a dream team huddle. This isn't new. This isn't like, you know, this isn't a new cool. Mm. Your guys have probably heard about that. But again, mm. we detailed. Okay, what is the huddle? Mm. So. Um, it started out where it was like a mini message, you know, like whoever was given the huddle would give like a five, seven minute sermon. And I was like, why are we giving them a five minute, seven, five minute sermon when they're about to hit a 40 minute sermon? Mm-hmm. I said, a team huddle should feel like a locker room. Here's the objective. Here's the win. Here's what we, and so it became culture. It came like an actual huddle. Like here, okay, we're ta- we're, we're trying to focus on uh, intentional conversations around the outreach event. So during the lobby, Ask people, hey, are you coming to the outreach event? So it was very much like a, a play of the day um, mm. rather than like a motivational, like, hoorah. Um, mm. uh, and what that did is, again, provided clarity for people. And you do that 52 times a year, your people start catching it, right? Here's why we do this. Here's a cultural behavior. This is, and always linking it to that. Um, uh, probably the other thing is like on a regular basis, like, um, I think one of the big things that kind of my generation and under struggle with is generosity and talking about giving. Um, we regularly would, would t- uh, share celebrations. Um, and again, those communication moments from the platform communicate value. So uh, probably once a quarter, I'll get up and I'll go, hey, can I just tell you how many people in the last three months have started giving here at Victory City Church? Um, and again, it's a missional thing. And we go, you know, I think the last number was like 317 people have given to Victory City for the first time. Can we just celebrate? That's an amazing step. Like that's, that's yeah. incredible, right? Yeah. Or, hey, can I just tell you how many guests we've had in the past, you know, yeah. quarter? We've had 200 guests. Are you kidding me? This is amazing. Thank you for inviting. Yeah. So always thinking like, how am I dripping this, right? How's that IV drip just like, you know, Dropping in, um, yeah, and that's that's been that's been pretty pivotal. Again. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of time left on our yeah. Podcast. Uh, we've got one more question, and I think we'll do our quick fire questions. We'll probably not do them all, but we'll You're do a good. few of those 
questions. But I guess one of the things to ask is, like, what are, what are you most proud of, like, personally, as a leader in your leadership mm. journey so far? You know, I saw this question, and I've been thinking over it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I wanted to come up with a cooler answer, but I don't have one. Here's, here's my answer, is that I'm still in it, and I still love it. That's yeah, awesome. great. I like that. You know, like ministry will kick your butt. Um, sorry. Um, for no, the, it's good. Okay, okay. It will kick. Yeah. It'll kick you in the teeth. And it's one of those things of going, if you're still in it and you're still loving it, that's a win, man. That's a win. And um, I think help. what's helped is just me personally staying close to the Lord. And, um, you know, obviously keeping your relationship with God personally really, really close. Um, but I think I just see so many really talented men and women and gifted and anointed and, you know, they, they throw the towel in. And yes, there's moments where God, hey, has different plans for them and that's amazing. But, um, but the idea of just running the race, man, and just stay in it, stay in the game. Stay. I know, I know there's going to be levels, right? You're going to walk through a season where you feel like all I got is 30%. And I tell people all the time, 30% is better than zero. Stay in it. Trust the Lord. Lean in. Get help. Um, especially on like the mental health. Like I'm a big, uh, I'm a big thing. Like get counseling. Get counseling. Go to a counselor. Like talk to somebody. You got to have somebody you can, you know. And that's that's played a huge role in my life of just having somebody I can process with because uh, ministry's lonely, um, or it can it can deceive you into thinking it's lonely. But there's just so many people, like you know, like I'm sure you've got guys that if they called you and like, hey, can I grab a coffee with you? I'm just talking. You would go, yes. Let's. Let, what's going on? How can I help you? How can I encourage you? Um, and that, that goes back to that uh, passage in the New Testament, man, where we carry one another's burdens. And, yeah. um, and so I, I would probably say that. Now, I'm most proud of, yeah. and, and I see guys who are in it, and they're still loving it, and they're still going for it. And I'm like, yes, come on, yeah. man. Good on you. Fantastic. Mm. No. Great answer. So we've got yeah. four. We're going to pick four. Yeah, two each. Two each. Yeah. Yeah. Four quick five questions. They are quick. Uh, so... Quick answers. Quick answers. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Uh, I'll start with the top one. What's your favorite podcast and why? And you can't pick the Church Explained podcast because we know this is your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that. Okay. <laughs> church Church Explained, second place. Uh, you know, honestly, honestly, I love Joe Rogan. I like listening to Joe Rogan. And, yeah. and why? Why? Because it helps me understand how the world thinks. Yeah. Like, right. like, it helps me understand my audience. Yeah. Yeah. Have you listened uh, all the way through one of his podcasts, by the way? Because they're about 10 hours long, aren't yes, they? Yes, Yeah, I, um, I have, but not in a single sitting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, I'll come back to it. Yeah. Challenging, challenging. Very good. Uh, can you recommend two of your books that you've enjoyed recently? And um, yeah, tell us about those. Yeah. Um, I've got some over here that I just, I, so here's one I'm enjoying right now. Uh, this is doing my head in. It's uh, it's uh, Aquinas Summa. This is super deep, but it, man, it is so good. It is like challenging me. It's like a one page a day book, right? Because it like it, it, it punches you in the face. The other one, the other one, um, 
is, was built by, by Bill Hybels, which was just leadership. Um, and I know Bill Hybels is, he's not a popular character now, um, because of some of the things, but, uh, but the way he talked about the local church, oh my goodness, like that's the hope of the world. I'm sitting on a plane from Jamaica on a mission trip reading that book. And I'm, I'm not a crier. I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm like, this is the freaking hope of the world. Let's go do this. Yeah. Who can, you know, Satan's yeah. going to die type stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> oh, good. Well, we'll change tack from uh, Satan's going to die to yeah. if you could yeah. travel anywhere in the world, where would you go and why? Manchester Tuesday night Champions League game, Old Trafford. <laughs> glory, glory, man! You're not. No, I'm kidding. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll call that. I, I, no, 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 no. My wife and I, we love the UK, and so we've gone to London. We've gone to Bath. Like, I love the culture. I love the banter. I love yeah. the. I love the personality. I've been to Italy. I've been to like the beach. You know, uh, a cold, rainy day at Stoke. That's a good day, yeah. right? You yeah. know, <laughs> on a Tuesday night. On a Tuesday on a night. Tuesday night. <laughs> Tony Pulis. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I I love it. I love London. We went to the there was a market, Borough Market, and uh, yeah. in London, and we loved it. It was, yeah, I just love it. So, Vanshi, awesome. here you come. Mm. Final question then is: If you could choose a superpower. Uh, what would you choose and why? Yeah, I saw this one too. I'm going to go real Sunday school on you. Yeah, <laughs> I would want the same wisdom that Solomon had. Uh, there we go. Right? Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, if God tells Solomon you can have anything and Solomon picks wisdom, yeah. there's, probably a, there's probably a reason why. So like superpower yeah. wisdom. That'd be awesome. I know that's not fun. Yeah, but you do get uh, hopefully what Solomon got as well. He not only got wisdom, but he got the riches, didn't he? he well, got everything. He got everything in, and a peaceful there kingdom. And a there peaceful we go. Kingdom. There we go. So listen, Eric, it's been great to have mm. you on the show. We've loved having you here. Just getting to know you a little bit and finding out some of your strategy mm. about building church. Loads in there today. Yeah, loads, loads, amazing. So, uh, thanks for being with us. How can people find you then if they want to connect? Yeah, Instagram uh, is great. Uh, you know, hit me up on Instagram. My email is emorris at victorycity.church. Um, if they have any questions or if they want to see some of our stuff, I'm happy to share it. Um, <clears throat> you know, my cell number is 417-230-8529. Shoot me a text. I'd love to connect. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, however I can help pastors, man, leaders, like, mm, like I love yeah. it. Like, yeah. I'm in it, and I want to. I want to see him win. Great. No, it's so good, and it's been great to uh, chat with you, Eric. Um, even though you're a Man United fan, um, I think this this uh, podcast has been uh, amazing. And uh, that's a wrap for the Church Explained podcast this time. It's been great to be together. And if you could rate, review, subscribe wherever you're consuming this content, and also share it uh, with anyone you know that it will bless and help in their world. But that's been it for the Church Explained podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next time.